This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Mike Vardy. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ConVo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. So I had a chance to meet Lisa Woodruff in San Diego when I was in uh, the warm climate of FinCon, and she wasn't at FinCon, but we were at a party together and had a great conversation. Now, Lisa, if you don't know her, she's a professional organizer. She's a productivity specialist and the author of The Mindset of Organization, Take Back Your House One Phase at a Time. And she believes that organization is not a skill you were born with, but it's a skill that's developed over time and changes with each season of life. 
I could not agree more. I wanted to have her on the show to talk about not just that that stuff in a broader sense, but a tactic she uses called the Sunday basket. Want to hear more? Stay tuned. Here's my conversation with Lisa Woodruff on the Productivityist podcast. Lisa Woodruff, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited because we had the chance to see each other in San Diego not too long ago. Yes, that was great. It was warm, warmer than it is now. Warmer than it is now. I'm going to be back down there in February, so I'm looking forward to getting back down there. Um, and I wanted to talk uh, uh, with you about, um, obviously, what you do. You're, you're, uh, so let's dive in for those of, those of you who are listening that don't know what Lisa does. Lisa, why don't you kind of give the, the Cliff's Notes version of what you do and, and, and maybe how you got into it, too, because the journey to you know the kind of stuff that we do is, is not a straight one and often not the one that we intended to take in the first place. Definitely. I think, you know, the more I dive into organization and productivity, I've kind of identified three different phases. And this is just coming to light for me the more I dive into it. So I was a teacher. I am a mom. I am an entrepreneur, a blogger, podcaster. And I realized in my 40s, I was a professional organizer. So I was in home organizing people's homes. And now I translate that online. So I've organized 365, which is a blog and podcast and products, which help women get their homes organized in all phases of life. So from girls to what I call the accumulation stage from 21 to 40, the survival phase is 40 to 55. And the downsizing and legacy phase is from 55 on up. But also within that, you'll be in one of those phases of life, but then you'll be in a stage of organization. So when you're completely overwhelmed and everything is a junk drawer, like my house when I was 40, and you're overwhelmed, you're just decluttering. And then the next year of life, you really look for systems and do truly what we call organizing, where you choose what you want to keep and create some systems for that. But now I'm finding more as I am in this third phase, which I used to call maintenance and refinement. Really, it's productivity Mm. because you cannot become productive when you have clutter and you don't have organizational systems like it's impossible. So the productivity comes after you've decluttered your space and organized it. And now I'm moving much more into productivity, which is really resonating with my audience as well. Well, I mean, one, you've got a, a new book that, that, as we're recording this, is out called the, the Mindset of Organization, Take Back Your House One Phase at a Time. But there's that, that mindset thing, I think, like you brought up uh, when it comes to productivity. Mindset is kind of where where that shift occurs, right? Where it's, you know, the, the idea of seeing that clutter and seeing that things that need to be organized. And then when you establish a mindset that, you know, entails that kind of work, all of a sudden the productivity stuff kind of just bleeds in, wouldn't you say? Well, you know what I found was what a professional organizer does so well and what you do as a productivity coach is that we have worked with so many people that we can immediately see where you're hung up and get you over that hurdle. So what I realized I did in a home was I knew what phase of life a woman was in. Mm -hmm. So if it was a girl, I would explain to her, well, this isn't your bedroom. This is your mini apartment. And when she had that mindset, she wanted to take ownership and organize it. When I'm organizing the downsizing and legacy phase, and they're trying to give all of their possessions that they've saved for generations to their children and grandchildren, and they're saying, we don't want it, they're feeling rejected. Like, I saved all this for you. I bought all this for you. But yet their grandchildren are millennials, and they're saying, we don't even own a home. We rent a home, and we want to travel, and this stuff is weighing us down, and it, it is guilt and something we don't want. And when you open up that discussion and explain to the millennial that, These baby boomers spent a lot of time and money 
creating what they consider their inheritance to give you. And you explain to the baby boomers how their children actually live and that this is not a blessing, it's a burden. All of a sudden they go, oh my gosh, well then let's just get rid of it. But if it's if you don't have it in that what phase of life are you in mindset, then you just think, why don't you want my stuff? Right, right, totally, totally. I want to talk about this one concept that you've put together, and uh, it's called the Sunday Basket. Um, and you know me with my with, – I mean, you've been listening to my work for a while, and we've had a chance to yep. chat. And Sunday is my planning day. And and it, it seems almost fitting that the Sunday Basket kind of falls into that day of the week for me. Can you talk a little bit about that, and we'll dive into the, the process that goes on behind the Sunday Basket? Because I think – I mean, I, I've had a chance to look at it, and I think it's, it's again, that systemization, yet, yet – Lex, there's, there's, it's funny, it's a system, but it doesn't feel like one, if that makes sense to me. Right. So why don't you dive into it a little bit? Okay. So I, you know, I've listened to the productivityist for years. And what I love that you explain is that you capture ideas, that you need a place to capture ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that is often overlooked. We want to digitize everything and be productive. And so we don't want scraps of paper. And I think, especially for women, we work with scraps of paper and we have fleeting thoughts and we need to write it down before we change that diaper or go to work or whatever we're doing. And we have even more scraps of paper because we're never at a desk. Right. So the idea of the Sunday basket is that this is a basket. It's a basket because it's on your kitchen counter. And originally I thought if I was productive enough, I wouldn't have any paper on my kitchen counter and it w- I would be paperless. And what I've realized is that is never going to happen. Because children bring in papers from school, the mail still comes, I'm jotting myself notes, I buy something at the hardware store that I need to fix around the house. Where do you put that until you actually fix it? So I decided to make my kitchen counter paper pile pretty. And I used a basket. So I just put all the paper and any little odds and ends that I had bought to mend something or fix something in this basket. But the problem with a pile or a basket is that you don't go through it on a regular basis. So the Sunday basket is pretty, but you go through it every Sunday. And the key is you have to completely empty the basket. Like you take every single thing out of the basket and put it on the table or the floor next to you with an empty basket. And then you touch every single thing and you ask yourself one question. Can this wait until next Sunday? If it can, it goes right back in the basket. You don't need to make a list. You don't need to make it paperless. You don't need to do anything because women are so overwhelmed. They don't have time to get through the things on that in that basket. And this is a prioritization as well as an organizational system. So it's guilt-free. If that bill can wait one more week to get paid, it just goes right back in the basket. And then you're left with this pile of things that really do have to get done this week. And then you look at that physical pile and that's when you make your to-do list, fill out the bills, fill out any forms that need to be done, schedule when you're going to do any tasks related to objects in that basket. How do you get the rest of the household to buy into a, a system like that? Because as we talk about it, you know, I mean, one of the things that I find is that even though I'm the guy that work that works from home and I'm, I'm very much, as you can imagine, an organized person, I like to have things where they're <laughs> supposed to be and stuff. And my, my wife is very organized too, but in a completely different way. How does the Sunday basket kind of work in a, in a household where, you know, there's a lot of different moving parts going on? Like, is it, is it something, it, I, I like the fact it's easy, which makes it simple for people just to, to, to use it in a way that, that it's got less friction behind it. But how does that work in, in that kind of environment? 
So the Sunday basket is not a family system. It is a personal system. So right. my husband has his own Sunday basket and my daughter has a box that I just throw everything in. And every month or so I'm like, clear this out or it's all getting trash because I don't want her stuff on the kitchen counter. So nobody else puts anything in my Sunday basket or touches my Sunday basket at all. So it's it basically it, what you've done is is you've segregated it, but yet um, by by the way you work, it, it mm-hmm. are you getting buy in from others in your family saying you know what that's I mean look how on top of things you are uh, maybe I should give that a go or a modified version of that a, a go. They know it's called a Sunday basket. <laughs> I don't think they know anything beyond that. My husband <laughs> knows he has one. But my husband's Sunday basket means I don't want it in mine anymore. And it's for him. Like, for example, he has a jury duty summons that's in his Sunday basket. But his Sunday basket is is much smaller. It's like a bread basket. And really, it's just a place for him to put things until I throw it away six months from now when I have had it and his Sunday basket is too overflowing. (laughs) So it's like his filing system. Right. Now, the Sunday basket you have, is it is it strictly household? Is it or is it is it? Do you find that it's, I mean, because considering, you know, the work you do, is it is it a combination thereof or how does that, you know, because I find that like I've got, you know, obviously I've got my inbox on my, that's my physical inbox and a lot of it is productivity and stuff, but some of my other stuff like, you know, Amazon book sales for when I was writing, you know, outside of productivity, all that stuff kind of comes in there. Is it, is yours a like kind of an overarching, you know, basically a, a large basket that houses everything or is it strictly for household stuff? So I have two. I have one for work and I have one for home. And now that we're getting, um, you know, depending on the time of year, so we're getting towards filing tax season right now. So I will grab another basket and I will put everything related to taxes from January 1st until February 15th in there. And then when it's all compiled, I'll take it to take it off for taxes or Thanksgiving, Christmas time. I'll have a basket just for Thanksgiving, Christmas type stuff. Now the the concept of the Sunday basket is is really cool because uh, not only because of what it does, but but the idea that you came up with it and and one of the things I want to talk about is how folks like you and I think <laughs> when it comes to this stuff is the idea of you know how can we how do, and this is something I struggled with with the now year method is how do you make something that is is you know that you can personalize and yet has enough staying power in in its, you know, basic form that it's going to work. How did you, when you were putting it together or when you put together any of the, the things you work on, cause you've got like a full, you know, we're recording this close to Thanksgiving. So I'll use the term cornucopia of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of products and services that you offer. How, how does your mind work when it comes to like, you look at something and you say, okay, how do I make this better? How do I systemize this? How do I, in a way that, that, that will resonate with women? How, how does that process look for you? How does that work for you? So Mike, you should see the smile on my face. <laughs> I just love, <laughs> I love thinking, analyzing, breaking things down into manageable chunks, encouraging women, supporting them, motivating them, telling them they can do it. On my podcast, I will say, even if you listen to the podcast and yours as well for a year and you don't do anything that we say to do, your mind is changing and your mind has to change before your physical changes. And my audience loves that I say that. So the Sunday basket specifically was the first thing I ever created that is duplicatable for everyone. I mean, teenagers have it. And I created it um, 
well, 16 years ago when I had two babies. So I had a two-year-old and a six-month-old and I had a booming home-based business that was full-time and I was from home without any nannies or anything. Wow. And so I had all of this paper on my kitchen counter, like literally 18 inches worth of paper, just individual sheets. And they were orders for my business, adoption paperwork, medical paperwork. My kids had um, medical issues, bills, everything was in there. And I was making great money, but the bills were late because I wasn't getting them paid. And I'm an organized person, but I could not keep up with adopting two kids that close together with a booming business, not taking a maternity leave and, you know, just assimilating everything at me. I, I couldn't keep up. So one night at eight o'clock, it was a Sunday night at eight and my kids and my husband had already gone to bed. And for some reason I had energy and I was like, I'm going to figure out what's in this paper pile. And I sat on the family room floor and it took me until midnight to divide it out into the piles so that all the bills were together and all the orders that needed to place were together and all the emails I needed to reply to were together. And this was, um, 2002. So I was still mailing newsletters. I had a lot more mail, a lot more paperwork. And so I put all of that I had a basket. I put all of it in a basket. And what I did was I put each of those sets of papers into their own slash pockets. You know, those mm -hmm. pockets that go into binders, yep. they're color coded. So I had 40 of these slash pockets in this basket. But what was awesome was my two-year-old would only take a 20-minute nap. He never slept. He's a wolf like you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that podcast episode you guys had. I'm reading The Power of When. I bought it right away. Yep. So he's a wolf. So he never slept as a baby. So when he would fall asleep, when I went to that big stack of paper, I couldn't get anything done. By the time I figured out what to do, he was awake and I was making no progress. As soon as I did this system, he fell asleep on Monday. I grabbed the top I hadn't figured out the whole system yet, but I grabbed the first slash pocket and I was able to place orders and he woke up and I had done something. I had been productive again. And I was like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. And then I continued to refine it from there. How during that, during that period of time, obviously when you have young children at home, because there was a point where I was working from home with my son and he was, you know, um, he was in daycare for part of the time, but not all the time. How did you navigate those waters? Because I know, I know definitely have some listeners that are, you know, taking, whether they're men or women, um, that are taking care of their kids from home, running their home-based business. Like how, how did you navigate those waters and how do you suggest that those who are trying to do this going beyond obviously the, the, the Sunday basket stuff that we've talked about, but how do you, how do you help those people say, okay, look. We know you've got, there's this intersection of home and life stuff that's happening in your home. How do you help them uh, kind of gain traction and move things forward and not feel um, like they're drowning in, in, in anything that's overwhelming them? Well, I think we just have to go to realism. And in the United States, the Pew Research Institute says that it takes 28 hours to maintain a home each week without children. That's mm -hmm. grass cutting. So 28 hours a week, that's more than a part-time job just to maintain your home. If you have children and you don't have childcare and you're trying to work, I mean, you might as well just jump in the deep end and, and go to the bottom because you cannot do a part-time housekeeping job and a full-time parenting job and a full-time working job without help. So if you're working, what I did first is I hired somebody to clean the house. For some reason, they can get it done in three hours and it takes me eight every time. So that's <laughs> definitely a win-win. And then the second thing I did is I hired a nanny only on Wednesdays. She came at eight and she ended at six and she had dinner made by the time I left. So it was only a 10 hour working day. But because I knew I had that Wednesday, 
I was so productive on that day. Like I put all of my tasks on that day and then I hired a five hour assistant on Thursday. So when I was done on Wednesday, I made the assistance list on Thursday. So with the housekeeper, the nanny and the assistant, I was able to work, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week with just that one 10 hour nanny. But I had to hire help. I mean, you have to make choices. You can't do it all. No, it's it's interesting. I mean, I know that, that you know, again, going to the book that you've written where you talk about, you know, the idea of going paperless and, and getting rid of everything that didn't spark joy. We know where that we know where you're pointing at with that book and color coordinating your wardrobe. I mean, it's funny. A lot of people will come to my place and they'll say, oh, look at all the paper you've got. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, wow, I thought you'd be a paperless person. And I kind of if you listen to the episode with Brooks Duncan, where he talks about yeah. going paperless, it's not about it's not about it's about intentional use of paper. I think that's the the key, right? Or being intentional with paper regardless. And then, you know, I mean, I love Courtney Carver's like project, you know, 333 when it comes to the wardrobe stuff. But the point is, is that you, you can personalize it. You don't have to be someone who doesn't have any paper, who has very limited wardrobe, you know, so that you have limited choices, et cetera, et cetera. You can be productive in and around those. It's, it's about the frameworks you create, right? I think it's even more than that. You know, as an educator, and I specialize in ADHD with my kids and my clients, my next book coming out is called How ADHD Affects Home Organization and How the Eight Executive Functioning Systems of Your Brain Work Mm -hmm. and How That Affects Everything. I am a paper person. I have a little bit of a dyslexia and I see in colors. Like I see in colors even when there aren't colors. A little bit weird. I can't do that digitally. And I have to write it down. It's not even that I have to keep the paper, but the writing it down makes it go deeper in my brain. So when I go to my Sunday basket, like the amount of little postcards, notes, post-it notes that are in there are ridiculous. But when I look at them on Sunday, I then say, oh yeah, I did that. Or, oh yeah, I wanted to look up that book, like The Power of When. When you said that, I was like, have to order that right away. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's like, okay, yeah, that's an idea. I'm not ready. I don't even know what I want to do with that yet. And I just throw the paper back in the basket until the next Sunday. And the act for me of touching and seeing those papers every single Sunday helps my mind decide when and if I'm even going to do anything with that information. Right. And see, one of the things we talked about before we went went on the air was, you know, I mean, for me, when I put things on paper, it's it's systemized, right? Like it's okay. There's the mode, the action, the project or priority or the schedule. Like, so when I look at it, at something on paper, I, I know whether or not it's been done based on, I don't have to think about it. Like I, I don't want to even have to think about the thing. I just can look at it and go, Oh, yep. It's crossed off. It's done. Or it's squiggled out. It was deleted. But I mean, the basket idea is great because a lot of people don't have the time to process every single day, right? They don't have the time to say, okay, let me go through this inbox or let me go through this, this area. So it, it's kind of a really nice, um, I don't want to say stopgap, but it, 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 it creates that certainty, that haven that people need. And I don't think, I think a lot of people lose sight of that, especially like you said, in the digital space, in the digital space, we have so much stuff coming at us all the time that it's challenging. And I know you talk about email and, and stuff on your blog as well, but it, you know, there's something about having that, that one anchor, which is what the Sunday Basque really is in, in my mind that you can trust. And I think trust is what you really need when you're trying to, you know, get all the things that you need and wanted to done in, in a week, month, year, you need to have something that you can trust because otherwise you're going to be, you know, twisted in the wind. Yeah. And what else? I mean, sometimes it's a box. Sometimes it's a bag. You don't have to have the 1980s basket like I do. It's Mm -hmm. just what mine is. But 
What's nice about it is it's bigger than an inbox. So I literally can put a quart of paint in there. Yeah. I could put the digital coaxial cable boxes in there. And I had a place to put those projects that are smaller. Now, if a project is bigger, I'll write a note to myself in the Sunday basket and then put the actual project in the garage or the laundry room. But it helps me keep track of projects too, because we are so multifaceted. And as the population all moves towards working from home, not everyone, but I mean, more and more every day are working from home and the work-life balance is blending. Um, we need more of these kind of systems that can handle more things in them than just email or just paper or just bill paying. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, I'm looking at my inbox. I could probably have a basket at this point when I look <laughs> at it. Um, and, and, and again, it scales, like you said, like as busy as, busy as it gets, uh, having something that, that can scale. Because I'm sure you probably start. Did you always have the basket or did you start it with something smaller initially? I always started with the basket because I had it. I had toddlers, so the arms of it swung over my shoulder. I take my basket with me. Some people, I tell them to keep their Sunday basket in the trunk of their car because they're on the soccer fields with their kids all the time. Well, that's when you can go through it, and you get the mail in the driveway anyway, and a lot of the important papers are already in your car. So it's very customized based on where they are in their life and what they need. So how has your business evolved over the, because I mean, and we talked about productivity and I think it's funny. I was talking to um, Claire Tompkins about this the other, uh, um, not too long ago, uh, you know, she, another person uh, that we're going to be having on the show. And uh, um, we talked about clutter. We talked about how the business, how that space has evolved with, you know, again, the idea of, you know, more paper, less paper. Uh, work at home, you know, kind of in, intersecting. How has your business changed in the years that you've been working on it? And what, again, what f- you talked about productivity being more of an area of focus. Um, where do you see that going for you? So I uh, started as an in-home professional organization business with a blog. And Mm -hmm. I thought I would grow a business through affiliate links and things like that. And what I found is I'm really an online organizing virtual coach Mm -hmm. and that I can help you through these three stages of organization in all four phases of your life. So I see it going big. (laughs) I I love what I do. I love what I do. But it all starts with the Sunday basket and, and people will wait six months, nine months to start one and then they'll start it. And it does take a couple of weeks to get it going. And then they'll say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I didn't do this. This works. Once they know the Sunday basket works and it works for almost everybody, then they're like, okay, I'm ready to tackle my house with you, or I'm ready to tackle my email with you, or I'm ready to tackle the 21 day jumpstart with you. And they're ready to go into the other programs that I have, or they just listen to the podcast and they're able to organize their homes because they've been taught that organization is such a color-coded, labeled, rigid thing. And they don't have the money for that. So they don't even get started or declutter. Great. I don't even know what is clutter around here because I'm so overwhelmed. They're so overwhelmed. They're all so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And just listening to somebody make it manageable and give them one task is really helping them go forward. So going forward, um, I'll be pulling out of the in-home organizing space and just go all to online. So we have the podcast. I have videos. I have programs. I have a bunch of books that will be coming out. Let's get the closure here on this episode. Lisa, where can people find you and, and, and learn more about your work so that uh, they can start to move forward in a way that, that uh, you know, they can, they can really make this thing work for them? Because I, I really do love a lot of what you do out there. And, and uh, I think the Sunday Basket's a fantastic idea. And I think more of, more of my listeners definitely need to dive into it. 
Well, thanks. You can find everything at organize365.com. And if you just put slash start, that'll give you the basics of getting started with the Sunday basket, getting started with the yearly challenge. And I am organized 365 everywhere. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any any of the social medias, I am organized 365. Awesome. Lisa, thanks for joining me this week on the show. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Now, you don't have enough of Lisa yet because there's a lot more that we can dive into. In fact, we do. We talk about the different printables she has, things that she offers at her website, and Patreon supporters are going to get to hear that and more. As a bonus episode that you can hear in the catalog that we have. Now, it may already be out as you're listening to this. It may not. But that's the beauty part about a bonus. You just never know when it's going to be there. And there's lots of great bonus materials. In fact, the stuff within the bonus materials you won't even know is going to be there until you dive into it. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist. Become a Patreon supporter, and you'll be able to get perks and bonus materials and products. And you'll get this podcast that much earlier. The weekly episodes come to you earlier. That's new for 2017. More content for you. More great productivity stuff from Productivityist. Head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and join in the community there today. Big thanks to Lisa for joining me on the show this week. Big thanks to all of you. And and by the way, if you, you can't support the show through Patreon, please leave us a rating and review in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. So John Polstra, the podcast producer myself, continue to make the show better and better week in and week out. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for joining me. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. <laughs>